Quotient. I'm your host, Kim Seltzer, a dating and makeover expert, where I will help you build confidence, make connections, and find love from the outside in. I have a confession. I, Kim Seltzer, have made some love mistakes. I admit it. You know, that's always the first step, of course. The Okay, here, here we go. The first love mistake that I made was in high school. Believe it or not, I know it's so hard for all of you to believe, <laughs> but not me. I was clueless. I totally was clueless. I didn't know anything about boys. I didn't know that they liked me. I wanted a boyfriend really badly, but I didn't know how to get one. And so instead I poured all my energy into being this like active girl, right? I was involved in extracurricular activities and I was like the good girl and I was on the prom court and all that. And I had a ton of guy friends, but never had a boyfriend. And I remember looking around and being jealous of girls who had one. And I really remember crushing on this one boy but I never acted on it because quite honestly, I was scared. I was scared because I thought he wouldn't like me back. So I put myself into the friend zone. It was just easier. So that was like big mistake. Number one was using fear of rejection and friend zoning myself as my love shield. Then came big mistake number two. It happened in college when I finally got myself my first boyfriend. I was so excited. I was ready to emancipate myself as a woman, and I fell into the arms of an Italian stallion. Well, at least that is what I thought when we first met. I mean, he was Italian, but stallion, he was so not. (laughs) I slowly started seeing his insecurities ooze from his being, and I realized I was looking for love in all the wrong places. Then, not too long after that, is when I met the man I ended up marrying. Now, understand on a more serious note that I just lost my father right before college. So I was on a quest. I was on a quest to find a strong man who could be my pillar, hold me up, feel secure. Well, the guy that I chose seemed to be that when I first met him and when I got engaged and married, but then slowly he started morphing into yet again another insecure guy. So the mistake number three was that I married someone before I knew who I was because I was attracting insecure men due to my insecurities. Then, of course, the divorce happens, and I get involved with my rock star musician who is six years younger than me, who some of you heard about on my other podcast. I told you that story. So mistake number four happened, getting into a transitional romance with someone in a totally different place than me when I wasn't really even available myself. So I'm thinking, how could I have made all of these ginormous love mistakes? I mean, I considered myself, you know, pretty smart. I, I thought I had a lot to offer. Heck, I even became a therapist, for God's sakes. I should know better. I mean, mistake number one taught me the value of having male companionship and how to not lose myself in someone else because I really formed deep friendships with men. Mistake number two gave me my sexy confidence and feeling attractive to the male species. Mistake number three was one of the biggest gifts, honestly, 
the gift of learning that strength actually comes from within and not depending on anyone else for that. And learning that having a voice and expressing myself is essential in successful relationships. And of course, mistake number four, well, I just had to get my sexy mojo back. (laughs) I had to get back to me. So with me on the line today, I, I am so excited about this. She is a very talented, multifaceted woman who has made a career on quests for love and learning from her own mistakes and, and viewing others' mistakes. Check this out. She is the founder of a viral business called Brides Made for Hire. I can't wait for you to hear about this. The creator of a blog, The Things I Learned From, and the voice of the podcast, You're Not Getting Any Younger, author of Amazon best-selling books, All My Friends Are Engaged, and Always a Bridesmaid for Hire. She actually told her stories on hundreds of press outlets like the Today Show, Good Morning America, CNN, it goes on and on, and they all called her job the weirdest of all times. And she probably she proudly serves as a mentor for entrepreneurs and travels as a speaker for major conferences. She's a freelance writer for more than 25 different websites, including today.com, Glamour Magazine, Prevention Magazine. She instructs 10 different classes all over. She teaches creative nonfiction and memoir writing, and she leads workshops on improv, storytelling, social media, women empowerment, on and on. And she has a passion for her consulting and coaching business for major corporations like Google and ESPN. Oh my God, we're going to have so much fun. Welcome, Jen Glantz. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for having me, Kim. And thank you for reading that long bio. I know it is just a lot. So thank you. But you are a lot. And it's so like, I needed to like tell everyone, I, first of all, I didn't know you were an improver. Did you know I am too? I just found that out. And it was like the number one thing I wanted to talk to you about because, oh my God, how awesome is that? It's like the greatest skill in, in the world to learn. In the planet. In fact, I, um, I tell like, that's one of my prescriptions when I work with people that they have to do. Like in order to like work together, they have to take an improv class. But you know what? Some people are like so scared by it, but I think if you can walk in and out of an improv class, you will be scared of nothing ever again, because it's like the most exhilarating feeling in the world. And you face that fear so fast. I know. And that's exactly why I have people do it. Honestly, because I always say to people like, you're not going to change if you're comfortable. So the yeah. fact that improv makes you uncomfortable means you have to do it. You know, it's, it is getting over the fear. And actually, it's kind of like what we were, I, I wanted to talk to you about because you've had a lot of fears and things happen to you. And oh my God, this like whole business that you have with the bridesmaid for hire. Like, I can't wait to hear your story, like how you got into all this. Yes. A lot of it, just like you said, happened because of things I was scared of or things that were just so unknown for me. I, Mm. I love living life in an uncomfortable place and what better place than somebody else's wedding where you are a complete stranger, (laughs) which is truly what I do as a bridesmaid for hire. Wow. Wait. Okay. So honestly, like what gave you that idea? You were just like at a wedding one day and say, I want to, I want to like just 
have people hire me yeah, to be a so bridesmaid? It was, it was a series of me getting asked to be a bridesmaid by all of my friends in my early 20s. And there was one night in particular where two people, these were two friends who I had hardly spoken to in the last five years. Two of those kind of people called me up. They asked me on the same night to be their bridesmaid. And I went home, I told my roommate and she was like, Jen, of course, you've become a professional bridesmaid. People are just asking you to do it because they know you're good at it. And this light bulb went off in my head and I thought, okay, if I could be a bridesmaid for friends who are practically strangers, why couldn't I do this for real strangers? So it was a Friday night. I went to craigslist.com, a site that my mom told me never go on. I went there (laughs) and I posted an ad secretly offering my services as a bridesmaid for hired strangers. It was anonymous. I posted the ad. Two days later, I checked my inbox and I received hundreds of responses from brides all over the world who wanted to hire me. And that was how I started the business four and a half years ago. Oh my gosh. That is phenomenal. And I like, I'm amazed that there are that many people who like need to quote unquote, like buy a friend. Like I, I, what was it? Like, what was the need that you saw you know, that made you think of that. It was that when I was a bridesmaid for my real friends, I realized a couple things. One, none of us knew what we were doing, which sounds like, (laughs) you know, really funny, but the problem is there's also nobody in the entire $50 billion wedding industry whose job it is to be there for the bride. There's a wedding planner, Mm. but that's not that person's job. That person's setting up the wedding, making it look beautiful. But whose job is it to be there for a bride when they are falling apart? The friends, they just want to have fun. Uh, Sometimes when you're a bride at areas of your life, you don't have any close friends. So there you are alone and you're missing that support system. And I started to see that with my real friends. I also saw with my real friends that people would come and go from the bridal party, like maid of honors would quit or get fired and bridesmaids would, would just be like, I'm done with this and then never talk to the bride again. So I noticed that there was a huge dynamic between the bride and these people who were good friends getting mixed up because the bride had so many needs that the friends just couldn't or didn't know how to meet. And I saw that and I was like, this is a business. And I tried it. Wow. I love that. Well, and the thing, I never even thought of that, but you're so right. Like, you know, in, in terms of just having that support and it's one of the most stressful, you know, times of your life. And the you're right. The friends just want to drink and have fun. That's really yes. interesting. Well, okay. So do you like, do people say, okay, you're literally always the bridesmaid and never the bride. Like, I'm sure you hear that all the time. Like what's you, what's your story with your love life? Did you, know, you have mistakes? <laughs> it is as if I am constantly wearing a t-shirt with that on it because that right. is all people say to me and it's hilarious. You know, for the majority of my twenties, I was the person who was known as the like joke of the dating world. Like I just could not get a good person. And and I wrote about my, my life online publicly, my dating life. So of course it was under a bright light and it was just like a joke to everyone. Like Jen, she can't meet a guy. She can't keep a guy, you know, all these things. And then I started this business and it just became magnified as always going to those weddings, but never having one of her own. And just like your story, you know, I, I dated a lot of mistakes, but they all led me to, I think where I am now, which is with my boyfriend of three years. And I think I'm only with a person like him now because of Mm -hmm. all of the things I learned through those really bad relationships over the years. 
That see, and that's what I want to talk about. Like, do you have uh, like what you would call the biggest mistake, like something that you wanted to share, but then in the end, it was like probably one of your biggest lessons. Yeah. You know, I think it was hanging on to people who were never going to give me what I needed, but in my head, I thought, oh no, like it's just a me problem. It's not a them problem, or I'm asking too much. And, you know, I think I had a couple of back-to-back people like that, who I just, I just wanted the bare minimum from, but they gave me less than that. And I accepted it to the point where, you know, there was one story that this guy I was so in love with. He lived in Canada. I used to go back and forth to Canada to visit him. Uh, one day he told me he was moving to Thailand and I was like, great. I work from home. I'm going to move there with you. Oh, yes. The guy, yes. And the guy <laughs> says to me, I didn't invite you. <gasps> and that was the brightest moment in my oh. life where I said, Jen, run away now because you are doing so much for this person. You're so in this. And this person Mm -hmm. is just keeping you at such a distance, literally a 3000 mile distance, you know, run away. And that was the, that was the last mistake I met, I made before I went back to the dating world. I took it seriously. I set standards for myself and a future partner. And almost instantly I met my boyfriend of three years because of that moment of Jen, you got to do something different because this can't happen again. So that's really, I love that you just shared that because it's something that I talk about all the time with women, you know, accepting the crumbs and not the cake kind of thing. What, I mean, yeah, like how did you flip that switch? Like how did you go from, you know, just right, you know, accepting things that, you know, it wasn't really enough. Like you were just really hanging on to something that wasn't like the wedding cake, if you will, (laughs) you know, um, yeah. it's such a weird thing because it's a buildup. Like I would be mm-hmm. lying if it was like, it was easy and it happened overnight. Like it was a buildup and a buildup. And the best metaphor I've ever thought of with this is like, you know, when like you start your, your house starts to get dirty and you leave plates and then clothes. And then, you know, it just like lingers for a while. And then one mm-hmm. day you wake up and you're like, enough, this place needs to be clean. And you just do like a deep cleaning and everything's yes. organized again. Like that was what it was like. I just snapped something snapped. And I thought you are almost 20, you know, you're in your upper twenties. Like this cannot keep going on. You know, you have goals, you want to get married, you want to have kids. Like you are self-sabotaging yourself, Jen, you know, like, and everything just clicked. And I instantly had to cut off all ties with this, with this person. I just had to let them go. It was heartbreaking. It was so, so, so painful. And this is the weird thing that I did, but it was Valentine's Day month. So it was February. And I said to myself, you don't want to date right now. You totally don't, but you're going to, you're going to. And I made myself go on 14 first dates in the month wow. of February. So I would go on like three or four dates a day. And the purpose was I was like a very awkward dater. I didn't like dating. And I knew that if I got back into it, I would have to force myself to just go, 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 go and get better at it and enjoy it. So I go on these 14 dates. They don't really go very far. And I do find myself getting over that guy because now I'm just out there meeting other amazing people who just aren't a good fit. Right. I go to, so then the, the February ends and I'm sick of this. I delete the dating app, but before I do, I have one final message. And that's from a guy who's like, just meet me for lunch on Sunday. 
I go, he's date 15 and he's my boyfriend of three and a half years. So um, (gasps) it worked out. It worked out, but you know, it was just like one of those things where that's a crazy experiment, but that worked for the kind of person that I am. And I'm very glad that I did it. But you know what? I think that would work for a lot of people. And I actually tell people to do that after, you know, being like, especially when you're like a serial relationship girl, or you've been, you know, just jumping from relationship to relationship, learning how to date a lot is actually, like you said, you didn't feel like you were that good of a dater. Well, I mean, how are you supposed to be if you never did that? So you just exposed yourself to that so that you could learn to kind of chill out almost and not get attached and just learn how to be. And really what you're doing is dating yourself. So that was actually a brilliant strategy that you did for yourself that I think will help a lot of people listening. Um, And I love that you just kind of cleared house, so to speak, and you cleaned up everything. Like the guy that you're dating now that you ended up with, is he a lot different than the one that you walked away from? Polar opposite in the sense that he walked. So this was my date 15. I was jaded by this point. My boyfriend now walked into the room and he made me feel like I was the most important person in the world. He was excited to be on the date. He, he had researched me. So he knew all about my background and he didn't come in with a skeptical look. He was like, you are an entrepreneur. That is so awesome. Tell me everything. I am also an entrepreneur. And from the start, it was like, support. And what I really liked about him was when the date ended, he said, I know you love pizza. Cause that's like part of my life. Mm. And he said, I want to schedule a date with you right now for pizza this week. And <gasps> that right there oh, I love was something that. I had never had before in a relationship, mm. which was a guy committing to me and coming to me and making plans. I was the one flying to freaking Canada, you know? So like I was the one always being like so a thousand percent in when the guy was 10%. And here I was on date one with the guy who was like, Hey, this went really well. How about we get pizza? And that to me was like, Whoa, this is polar opposite than anything I've had before. And this feels right. Oh, that's what it should be. You know, it's like, it sounds like before you, you did a lot of, of the chasing and grasping and trying to get, and yes, I'll move with you and all of that stuff. Right. And here this guy shows up with the entire cake and said, this is yours. And I want to please you. And that is. And it wasn't like I knew right there that he would be a boyfriend of three years, but I did know that like he had was treating me in a way that I deserved. And that alone was like, you deserve a second date, you know? And like, sometimes we write people off so fast, but when their behavior is, is with such good intention and they really are committed to trying this out, you got to go on that second date. And I'm glad I did. And, and I think like, also he was someone I wasn't used to because he was such a good guy. I was used to like the, the rebellious guys. So yeah. That also was like a learning experience of like how to be with a good guy who doesn't play games with you when all you're used to is like going, playing back and forth the games. It's almost like a, like a mind game. Like, do you remember in the beginning, like you were almost ready for that ball to drop? Like you were just ready for the games almost. Did did you have that? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, we joke about it now because he'd be like, Jen, you would wait like six hours to text me back. And I was like, cause that's what I thought we were supposed to do. And yeah, Like I thought I was supposed to do that. And then he was the first person who said, I love you to me, which was like revolutionary in Jen's Uh, world. And I actually said to him, no, you don't because you don't know me. 
Mm. And like I was, I became like the rebellious one because I just was like, that's how relationships should be. And, you know, for the first couple months, I kept voicing to him that a lot of this is confusing to me because I'm just not used to things going like this. And I think in a lot of relationships, we bring the baggage from the past. And that's That's something that I'm glad I recognized and I'm glad I communicated because that was a huge hurdle for us in the beginning. Yeah, that is really great. And so, I mean, what you're really saying is kind of like how we started, that your biggest mistake was your biggest gift because that really allowed you to grow and land this great guy. I love that story. That's great. And okay, so I have a question about just like weddings you've seen. It pertains to other people's mistakes. So have you seen, like, do you have any like funny dating blunder stories or couple stories that you've seen at the weddings where you were like, oh my God, this couple is doomed (laughs) or, you know what I mean? Like things that- Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, like I, you know, I've done hundreds of these weddings and I think one of the things I've seen is that some couples, the way they act on their wedding day is probably a good indication of how things are going to go. You know, Uh I've I've had some couples who are screaming and cursing at each other right before they're going to walk down the aisle, you know? And it's like- Look, people don't tell you about this all the time, but weddings are not the best day of your life. They're the most stressful day of your life. And I think how you work with your partner on that day is a huge indication. So I've had couples screaming and yelling and cursing at each other. I've had couples not talking to each other. I've had, uh, of course, I've had my fair share of people not wanting to go through with it or um, canceling it, you know, so you see a lot of that as well. But I definitely think that for a lot of people, there is such a buildup to the wedding day and then the wedding day happens. And if it's not right, there is that emotional explosion. And I have seen that quite often. That is so true. And you know, the other thing that I find with um, weddings is that it's a really good practice for looking at how you guys will be as parents too. Like I'm more like, I guess, young couples who are looking to build a family you know, cause like you see the family system and where that per, you know, each person came from and how they interact with their own family of origin. And, and a lot of times you see patterns and I wish I knew that back when I got married, because like looking back, I was like, Oh my God, I should have known, <laughs> you know, but I, I didn't. So yeah, I, it, it is an interesting time. Well, what, what about, in terms of things that do work, you know, where you're like, that is a good indicator. You know, I think this couple's going to make it. I think it's, you know, the communication that they have because yeah. during the wedding, so much falls apart, so much goes wrong. The best couples that I've seen, they have like a pact before the wedding day where it's like, hey, when mm. things go wrong, here's our game plan. And for some of the couples, that means they like, they go to like a, a room and they sit by themselves for a little and, and catch up and have a deep breath. Or, you know, one of them will say like, hey, when things go wrong, just make me laugh. So there's that communication of, look, when problems happen, here's how we get through them. And then that's executed well. That to me is like the most incredible thing in the world because it's two Mm. people working together. Uh, I think, you know, like a big part of the wedding too is that the couple, they have the opportunity not to even see each other for most of the day because the party starts, you're pulled in different directions. And the couples who really make a priority to be with each other the whole night, I think is also really wonderful because again, there's just so many reasons for the guy to go off in one direction and then the person that he's marrying to go off in the other, you know? So mm-hmm. I think when the couple makes that pact, that shows a lot about the strength of their relationship. That is 
Awesome. You know, you said something on your website that I thought was so beautiful as we were just talking about all this. You said that no matter what has happened in the past, it's never too late to begin again and to refuse to give up again. I thought that was so beautiful. Do you want to um, share a little more about that? And then if you have any other like parting words of wisdom, because you're so wise, like you just, you know, I think with all your experiences, you, you know, you're coming from that authentic place of, yeah, look, I've been here and you too can overcome some of this stuff. Yeah. I mean, like I've had some really crazy bad things happen in my life. I'm sure a lot of people listening have as well. And I think the best thing that you can remember is that you get through anything you just do. But the thing is that things become a new normal to you. So even if you have a loss Mm. of love in your life or someone leaves you or, you know, you're just feeling really down, like you will get through it. I think the best thing that we can do as human beings is promise that we're never going to give up on ourselves, on what we want and look at the pain, look at the journey as part of the adventure. You know, I look back at that Thailand example of that, of that guy. And that was such a painful part of my life so bad. And now three and a half years later, I'm, I'm telling that story and I'm laughing because hello, he was not right. And I knew it, but I didn't know it. And look at the beauty that happened. And I remember during that time, and this is my, my, one of the best things I've ever heard is I was watching a Hallmark movie with my mom and there was a quote and it was like, when love leaves you, it's because greater love is going to enter your life. And Mm. I truly think that that is the truth. So whatever you're going through, this might feel like the worst time, but there is going to be some kind of sunshine on the other end. You just have to keep walking forward. Oh, that's, that's, and scene. (laughs) So so perfect. So perfect. Now, thank you so, so much. I want to just recap. I mean, I think you gave such such like real tips that I want to highlight. Like, you know, I think the first thing is when you were talking about your big mistake is that, you know, sometimes it takes that aha moment where you, you know, I think it, it's that fed up moment where you're like, I need to change this. You know, I'm the common denominator. (laughs) I need to clean house, as you said. And where you literally were able to just like kind of let go of that guy that passed the messy house and clean up your act. And you did it by taking action. And this is what I want everyone to hear. You know, it's one thing to have a concept of wanting to change, but it's another thing to actually do something. And you did it. Like going on those 14 dates was an action plan that was necessary for you to get to this like beautiful guy that you have that's your cake. Um, and then the second thing, just like sharing all the stories about, you know, the bridesmaids and, and just seeing weddings about how communication is so important. So once you get the guy, how to keep that going and finally don't give up on yourself, which, which I really love. And there really aren't any mistakes. It's only experience that helps us grow and get to the other side. So thank you so, so much. Do you want to just share anything that's going on that you want to promote or how can people find you? Sure. You can find out more about me on my website, jenglance.com, all the social channels at jenglance. My podcast, You're Not Getting Any Younger, is available wherever podcasts are. So come hang out. And thank you so much, Kim. You're so much fun. Oh my gosh. So are you. And I can't wait to go on yours. We're going to do that next. (laughs) 
Yes. Again, thanks for joining me. It's been the Charisma Quotient and I'm your host, of course, Kim Seltzer. And remember, you can build confidence, make connections and find love from the outside in. And make sure you check out my website, seltzerstyle.com. And if you haven't heard, I am so excited about my new Love Makeover Bootcamp Retreat coming up. It's a four-day luxury retreat in Florida combined with an eight-week group coaching course to really transform your love life inside and out. So click the link you see in the show description for more information and schedule a call with me and we'll just chat and see if it's a good fit. Until then, stay tuned until next week with more tips on how to feel and look fabulous every day.